Good morning. Today, brand new series, new season, season of Advent that Jeff kicked off last weekend in preparing us for today, carols. For me, this is my 21st year as the founding senior pastor of Christ Community. It means the 21st Christmas season. Some of you are like, man, you're old. I'm not even 21. And let me tell you, this is one of the hardest and most joyful things that a pastor does is proclaim the riches of Jesus week in and week out. And during the Christmas season, and you're always trying to go, now, Lord, they know the story. And how do I tell it from a different angle so this year they might walk away somehow inspired with a new passion for you? And so this year I've decided of all the 21 years, I've hit it from every angle that I know, and the Lord will give another angle next year. He's just a great God. But this year I want to do it from carols. I learned the Christmas carols as a little kid, and you did too. And I love the Christmas carols. I, I love to listen to different artists sing the carols of the season. And I particularly love all these great spirituals. And I love how Chris and the team today did, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Let's tell you, how'd you forget? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And I've listened to this song literally probably 200 times this past week from different artists, different genres of how they've done it. And I don't know if you know this, this is an old, old, it might be the oldest um, carol that we sing. Somewhere around eight, the 800s that this, uh, uh, oh, it's him, this carol was penned. So it's been around for a long time, and I'm going to tell you a little of the history of it. But as we sing it today, it just inspires, it's, it's, a, it's a melancholy carol. It's a little sad, and you go, man, who wrote that hymn, the Grinch? But there's this line that he just continues to repeat. There's actually seven verses as I went back and studied, I went back and I, I found an old Lutheran hymnal and it had seven verses. Now, I don't think I've ever sang all seven verses, but they're all rich in text and context and theology. But this morning, as Chris and the team sang that, man, my heart was just warm. I can't wait to go back on the internet and listen to it again from our own team. But here's what I'd say. I'm thankful for this season. I hope you are. And as Christians, we should enjoy Christmas more than anybody now i'll give it to you the world enjoys it and they've got rudolph and santa claus and they make up all the and frosty the snowman and you know open roasted fires and you know acorns and whatever i don't know all that kind of crazy stuff but i just ask you let's don't be a scrooge let's don't be uh, you know bad this season man let's let's let the light of christ fill our hearts and the thing is christmas is like the first great miracle of, of the faith. It's the miracle of the incarnation of God coming near in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he goes, of course, in, in this coming, you have to start with the virgin birth. And that is just a foundational issue for me as a Christ follower, and it should be for you. Now, liberal seminaries and camps have tried to discount the virgin birth. But if you discount the virgin birth, you're in trouble, church. It was a virgin birth, and the church said it was a miracle, a miracle of miracles of how the Holy Spirit was able to conceive this, and it was God's plan from of old. And there's no way to escape the carols. I know you've probably got your favorite uh, uh, songs, and I started to get Chris to do one of my favorites, Grandmama Got Run Over by a Reindeer. 
but I just didn't think that was appropriate. And, you know, of course, you know, you, you can sing, you know, get a little Bing Crosby out here. And then if you really want to know, I, I love all different genres of music. And I told uh, Chris, I said, Chris, sometime in the season, just humor me and let me have a little Kenny G sax pre-service Christmas music. Some of you went, I love you. That's why some of you are like, Kenny G, like, dude, you're old. Okay. I just love all the different sounds that come out of this season. But I love the story of this season and, and how the people of Israel had anticipated the coming of the Messiah. And it, yet it foreshadows what we wait for, the second coming of Jesus. How many of you believe Jesus will come again? Hold your hand high. He will come again as he promised. Now, the first time people were like, they were long awaiting the arrival of the Messiah that seemed like eternity, and he showed up. And since then, decade after decade, century after century, people have long awaited the second coming. And matter of fact, I got so intrigued by this, I thought that in January, I'm going to start a brand new series. I'm going to do a, I'm going to teach you on a book that I've I've only done an overview, but we're going to walk through it on 1 Thessalonians, anticipating the return of Christ. But for this, it's the first. And, and to give you a little history here, Israel is divided into two parts. You've got 12 tribes, and they're divided into the north. There's 10. That's Israel. And the southern part of the kingdom is what? Judah. And there's two tribes. And they're very strong, if you will, uh, lands, nations there, a, a people. And Assyria comes to take uh, away an alliance of north Israel. And, and they invite Judah, the southern part of the kingdom, they invite them to join them in this effort. But uh, they're like, Judah goes, no, we're going to remain true to God. We, we don't want to be a part of your great invasion, your alliance. But yet they wanted to do it on their own terms. So it wasn't exactly pure and holy. But if you read, just if you really want to enjoy this, jump into Isaiah chapter 7 and just begin to read 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, just chapters of Isaiah, and you see this anticipation and all that's going on. But look there this morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to Isaiah chapter 7. And just really the text here today is chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. And this, um, this Assyrian empire here, it's one of the superpowers of the day if you will it's increasing in world influence it's increasing in power and statute of people and because of that Syrian Israel they wanted to form this coalition if you will to come and to go against Judah now that was a serious mistake but they thought they wanted to do that so and there's this king down there in Judah and his name is King Ahaz and King Ahaz is not a good king. When you read um, the history of Israel, you see all these kings that get set up and disposed, and you see good kings and you see bad kings. Well, this is a bad king. He basically, it, I, I remember studying this and then going back this week over it, this particular king, he would burn his kids as a sacrifice to false gods. You're going, wicked, yes, sinful, horrible. And so there's just all this hesitation here, Syria and Israel, and they're turning against Judah. Because see, basically, they wanted to have, they wanted to have a puppet king. They, they wanted to have somebody they could control. But this guy's standing up here. And Isaiah the prophet 
here, if you look there in verse 7, God sends Isaiah the prophet down there to him. And so look down there in verse 4. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezim and Aram and all these sons of Romalia. Aram, Ephraim, Romalia's son has plotted your ruin, saying, let us invade Judas, let us tear it apart, divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tabil king over it. Yes, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look at this. I've read this so many times, but as I dove into this, I just want you to look at it. You could even uh, draw a box around it in your Bible. It will not take place. It will not happen. Do you know when God says something, it comes to pass? And God goes, no, that's not going to happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will too be shattered as a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is also Ramalia's son. And if you not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. You know why I changed my voice? Because I want you to see this. He looks like he's uh, spiritual. Because we know that we don't test God except in Malachi. God says, test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. But God here tells him, test me and ahaz goes i know better i will not test you so basically he defies god it doesn't go so well for him verse 13 and then isaiah said hear now your house of david you house of david is it not enough to try the patience of men will you try the patience of my god also and therefore the lord himself will give you a sign this is the one that you see in all the hallmark greeting cards the virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And so we're just kind of looking at some of the history here as we look at this about putting our faith in God. And so here's what I'd say. We do not test God. That is not a wise thing unless God says, test me in this. He gave a specific command to him to test, but uh, I think he dealt with something that you and I deal with. Let's make this practical to us because you're going, well, I'm not an old king and I'm not a prophet. I think he had something that everybody in this room deals with. I'm going to give it to you. I want you to write it down. Stubbornness. Turn to the person next to you and go, you are a stubborn mule. No, no, do not do that. Do we not deal with being stubborn? And the church said, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. And the church said, Amen. Yeah, you know you're stubborn. Your mama told me too. She called me. No, I'm joking. No, no. Yeah, we're stubborn. And that's what prevented him from really doing what God wanted him to do. And I'm thinking, how many times is that a practical application for me that God has something for you or me to do? And I go, but God, but God, I know better. No, you don't. Right now, I'm just trying to be applicable as possible. There might be something God's telling you to do in this season. Let me just suggest something. I, I, I'm going to get on really loose turf, so don't throw anything at me, okay? Some of you in this room, you can't gather this many people because in this season, counseling goes crazy. Somebody in this room, maybe many of you have family tensions. And it might be that God wants you to make right this Christmas season with another person in your family, extended family, inside your family, I don't know. And you're saying, 
I, I don't want to do that. Let's go back to the point I just said. He was stubborn, <laughs> and he would not do. How many of you think God wants you to have peace around your table and in your family this season? You know what I'm already seeing? People are running around. Ah, it's Christmas! Ah, and they're so excited, and there's joy, and they're thrilled about shopping and loving and eating and doing all this stuff, and they're just pumped. But I'm running into a number of people, too, going, it's Christmas. It's kind of depressing. This happens every Christmas. My dad, my mom, my sister, my brother, my sister, my cousin, my, 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 my. I'm preaching good right now, aren't I? This is scary. And I'm just telling you, man, I'm, you're, I, I, we've read this story historically, but then so many times we'll go, wow, I, I struggle with that. So Ahaz here, not a good king. He, he, here it is. Ahaz refuses to listen to the voice of God. But here's what I love. God did not withdraw his promise from Israel because of the disobedience and unfaithfulness of Ahaz. He was faithful to the remnant as he always is. He was faithful to the nation of Judah. Because what did we just read in verse 14? The virgin will be, called, will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God was faithful. And it tells me this, it gives me hope today and every day that when i'm faithless when i'm stubborn when i'm prideful god is still sovereign almighty loving gracious redeemer and his will will be done how many of you believe that today it just does so here there's this whole thing here about the child being born and this judgment upon assyria and israel and 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 then the Bible says and he will come and he will be Emmanuel, and Emmanuel will deliver. So somewhere in your note today, I'll just probably write down the word, go back to it later, deliverer. Emmanuel is always a deliverer. When I think about biblical salvation, it means to be delivered from the presence and the power of sin. And that's who Emmanuel is. He comes to deliver you and I and to follow him and to love him and to not deny him and that sometimes that insecurity that we struggle with or fear or guilt tries to mount up or we get discouraged, God wants to come near and he wants to replace possible discouragement during this season. Possible, or not possible, maybe it's just all-out reality, the pain. See, I know some of you are in pain. Some of you are going to call me this week. You're going to want to talk. and I'm going to, Man, I'm going to welcome that. And some of you are going to just try to mask it. And then some people are going to try to fake it for this season. And they're just going to put on a plastic smile. And they're never going to deal with all that insecurity and all that muck and all that pain in their heart. And, and I would say the good word of the gospel this morning is Jesus wants us to lay all our issues at the cross. And to find healing and find redemption. The whole story of Emmanuel, O come Emmanuel, and as I told you in 800s when it was uh, written, and, and it did have seven verses, or, or I guess it still has seven verses, but there's a guy named uh, John Mason Neal. He was the guy that translated it into English that we could uh, begin to sing this. And so my prayer is every week I'm going to do like next weekend, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm going to do Heart the Herald Angels Sing, and I'm going to end up on Christmas morning, Joy to the World. And, and I, just, I just love these songs. We're going to try to look at them biblically, theologically, what, what they mean. And, and I don't know if you wonder about this. I do because I'm a pastor and studied a lot and continue to study every day. But have you ever noticed, like, a lot of times in biblical language, you, you spell words and then you see it spelled different and you wonder why. Like, Savior, 
You, you can spell Savior two different ways, and it just kind of drives me nuts. But this is the one that's always got me. Emmanuel? How many of you spelt with an I? Okay, you don't spell it. How many of you spelt with an E? Okay, guess who's right? Huh? Both of you are right. And, and the reason being is that the, the E is Emmanuel. That's how they would write Emmanuel in Greek. It, it came out with the E, and the I was Hebrew. But it's the, it's the same word. Basically, Emmanuel is like listed four times in the Bible. It's like a, three different times here. And then you flip over to Matthew 1 and get into the, to the Christmas story, and you see Emmanuel again. So, you know, if you're, if you're ever wondering, like, do I spell it with an E, do I spell it with an I, you know, don't really worry about it. But the thing is, you, you go through, you might just look it up sometime, this whole song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. There, there's verses that Chris was singing. Man, that was powerful. But we didn't sing all seven. And I just want you to hear some of these. Listen to this. Uh, this writer knew his, he knew his theology, he knew his Bible. I would say he knew his God. Listen to this. One, one verse, I won't start with the first one. O come, our wisdom from on high, who ordered all things mightily to us, the path of knowledge show, and teach us in her ways to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, O Israel. And then he goes into a, a verse. O come, O come, our Lord of might, who to your tribes of Sinai's height in ancient times gave holy law and cloud and majesty and all. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, here's one. O come, O rod of Jesse's stem, from every foe deliver them that trust your mighty power to save. Bring them victory through the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. And then, O come, O key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. O come, desire of nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. O bid our sad division cease and be yourself king of peace. Rejoice, rejoice, O Emmanuel. He's taking us through the exile, the, the whole thing about captivity when he starts out, the, the verse that we all, that everybody tends to know is the first one. And, and in that, you know, it, it's, just, it's just powerful because we've, you know, like this morning you're going, well, you know, I'm not in exile. Like, you know, I'm not like in a, in a separate land. I haven't been like cast out of Montgomery and I'm down in, uh, uh, I'm down in Goshen. I mean, how many want to go to Goshen this morning? Like, yeah, okay, we're, so we're not in exile down in Goshen. I'm sorry, somebody's from Goshen. You probably hate me now. Okay, okay. L listen to this first line. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice. Oh, come on now. Re That's good. You're saying, he wants us to participate. I do. Because... I'm not going to be able to do this on Christmas morning because there's not going to be a lot of you here, okay? I'm just saying, go ahead and make me wrong, okay? I, I don't want to be true about that. So here, there's this whole soul, the image of God of being captive. You know, I, I want to get practical. Okay, so we're not captive and need to be ransomed from exile. But we do go exile and we do get captivated by other things in our hearts. And especially this season as we begin to look at it, I was thinking about 
I, you, need to be ransomed from some stuff. And Jesus did that by his blood. But just here's some things I think. Ransomed from being selfish. Judgmental. My comfort over everybody else that they might not have anything where maybe God wants me to do a little something extra or I want to be supportive. So God, as we read the story of redemptive history, God leads the, the people through the wilderness. He leads them out of Egypt and or out of slavery into Egypt. And after 40 years of wandering into the desert, they end up in the promised land. And here's this great story of, of the history of Israel in this morning, and, and, and they're captive. And I'm just wondering this morning, um, man, is, is there something that, that's got you captive today? Something that's got your, your mind, your thoughts, you're captive by something. A relationship that, that went south, that soured, that's broken, that causes great pain. You're, you're captive by that. And I think Jesus, when he says, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, God is with us. And I know you're like, well, man, I know Emmanuel. Every time I read about it, it says Emmanuel, and it says God with us. But I think we blow through it. Man, God, creator, sustainer, redeemer, majesty, he's here. He's come near. You know, I, I just think how we just run over that so much during the Christmas season and, and these people, I think they knew about tears of exile because they had wandered from the truths of God. And I'm wondering this morning where we might be that we've wandered and we've lost the wonder of the Christ child. We've lost the wonder of the kingdom of Christ. And Christ is here and he feels. And, and I don't know what's keeping us away, but I pray some of these translations talks about gloom and sadness. I pray that this season God will transport us from gloom and sadness into eternal joy, into a place of peace, into a place of uh, fulfillment. Isaiah paints a picture of peace that, you know, a lot of times we think peace, we're thinking, okay, peace against our mortal enemies. And, and that's a kind of peace. But I'm, I'm thinking God came to give so much more. God came to give us peace in our hearts. He came to ruin our hearts and to let us be exhilarated by his presence to reaffirm our desire this morning for the return of Christ. A lot of times, and I don't want to get too much into that, I will in January, but I just think a lot of times we don't think too much about the return of Christ, but we're focusing this season about the advent, the first coming. And without the first coming, we don't have the second coming, but man, this, this uh, advent, this coming of Christ is so awesome, this appearance that God is with us. The infinite God has come near he's wrapped himself in flesh and dwelt among us one writer said god moved into the neighborhood i mean what would happen if god moved in your hood yeah you're like he lives there i hope he does i hope he lives in you and i hope he lives through you and you make god look good this season you know what i'm saying i mean right now christians this is when we should make the name of jesus look phenomenal and we magnify the one that has saved us, the one that's called us by name. And one, one verse in the song just says, Oh, come our day spring from on high, and cheer us by our drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. I, 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 here it is. I'm going to set it up for you. How many of you like the dark? You know, like the other day when time changed, how many of you just got so thrilled when it started getting dark at 5 o'clock? How many of you enjoyed getting up in the dark and going home in the dark? 
It's not very fun, is it? I mean, there's different parts of the country, the world, that they stay in a lot of darkness. And, and you go over to England, and man, it's just oh, it's gloomy and rainy. And, and this whole dark thing, I, I love that Christ is the light. The light of God has appeared in the person of Jesus. And he's come near, and I'm thinking, God, raise, raise us up over the horizon that, man, the light of Christ fills our hearts. It fills us with your presence. It fills this place. It touches people. It transforms them. I mean, Lord, come. Light changes everything. I mean, when you walk into a room, what do you do? Somebody like, oh, no, I don't turn on the light. I was talking to a person the other day. I ran to a restaurant. I go, hey, how are you doing? And I said, how's your husband doing? She goes, he fell. And he's a young guy. I mean, he fell. What? She goes, he won't turn the lights on. And like he was walking down the stairs the other day, and I heard something. And it was him. And I said, almost calling him by name. I shouldn't have do that. And he says, what were you thinking? He says, well, you, you know, I was trying to conserve power. or I, was, I just thought I could do it. Like, turn the light on. Now, now let, let me go ahead and help y'all. Okay. I'm married to this incredible woman. And so I do not turn the light on in her presence when she's sleeping. I just want you to, if you're newly married, you want to get married, just let me tell you, do not turn the light on when you walk into somebody sleeping. You know what I'm saying? That's just not, that's dumb. But you, but you turn on the light because that light dispels the darkness. And here's this light of Christ that dispels our sin. He's the light of the world. Look, look up here. It's going to come up, Malachi uh, chapter 4, verse 2. For you, revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. And then look, look at this next verse. I know you're like, man, I've had a lot of those lately. Luke 1, 78 through 79. Because of the tender mercy of our God, he is tender, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. You see, without Christ, I won't make my way. But with the light of Christ, I can walk in the path of my Father. This room uh, Jeff Weir knows. He runs the board and all that stuff. Does a great job. He knows this room. The tech team knows this room. Staff knows this room. If you come up here in this room, this room gets pitch black. I cannot tell you how many times I have run over chairs and said, Jesus. I, 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 I don't speak profanities, but I have yelled Jesus loud when I've hit them. Like, Jesus, what were you doing? Help me. And uh, so I just want you to look over here. There's a lamp over there. You know what that lamp's over there? to help because man if you don't flip on the light this room man you get in trouble but i, I want to get i want to get the whole concept we get in trouble when we don't walk in the light of christ when we don't draw near to emmanuel oh day spring we long for the messiah's return morning star we're comforted and knowing that he will come again we also are comforted or we know that there's gonna be a day of judgment and that's a whole nother study that we can do and he disperses these gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight but god just makes all things right in his time and our time and god's time have never been on the same page and it never will be and lord help us to align with you and what you have that we rejoice in you that our our confidence see i want to go back to this king King Ahaz, he refused to follow and obey God. And I pray that it wouldn't be said of you or be said of me, that you refused, you were stubborn, you were disobedient, you wouldn't follow the ways of Jesus. 
And the greatest way I know, I tell you all the time because I'm so serious about it, you got to be in this book. you got to study God's Word. You've got to let God's Word fill you. You've got to begin to know the concepts and the precepts of Scripture. And Lord, what do you say? What are the promises? Lord, you're the fulfillment. Lord, the whole rod of Jesse thing that he talks about here in, in the song. And the rod refers to the shepherd's staff and the crook. And the, and the crook was to, to get the sheep to come back into the fold. Or it was to fight off the wild animals, the bear and the lion. But then there's that great passage. And Blake, I know he taught this with the students. And y'all are going to remember this. But Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. I want you to read it off the screen with me. This is a great verse. And you're saying, well, I always hear this at funerals. Or, you're not dead. Let's hear it now for our souls. Let's read it together. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, leave it on the screen. I just want you to know this. Lord, you are with me. I don't have to fear evil. I don't have to fear the darkness. God, you are for me. How many of you believe this morning that God is for you and he is not against you? He is for you. Some people are like, no, I, I don't think God's for me. Oh, I pray that this Christmas season that you'll get a revelation through the word through preaching, through songs, through relationships, through witness, that somehow somebody will stir you and it'll point you to the person of Christ and you'll desire him. Look right there in the middle of the page, message truth. Trust our God who is with us. Today I didn't do all these fill in the blanks like I usually do. I just want you to know, I just want you to build your whole life around trusting in God. Lord, I don't trust in horses and chariots, but I trust in you. See, as a pastor of this church, I watch people walk through hard things. Sometimes stillborn babies, divorce of couples, kids being injured and hurt, kids and spouses dying. Pain after pain is, is real. And this is what keeps me going, and I hope it keeps you going, that God is with me. I am not alone. God is for me. God is with us, and God is in us. You can write that on the side if you want to. God with us, Emmanuel, but God in us. When you're in Christ, when you abide in Jesus, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And Jesus promised the Holy Spirit that dwells in your heart. That he's right there with you. And he's there all the time. And he never leaves. So many times I'll go see people at the hospital. And, and you can tell when they're getting ready to take them down the hall to cut them. That was a, that was a, that's kind of a gross way to say it. They're, uh, Dr. Aaron, you should help me here. But they're going down to do a surgical procedure. <laughs> I like the word cut. Anyway, so they're going down there to have something done. Man, I've looked at so many people in the eyes, and you can see them, and they look back at you like, will you go with me? No. <laughs> I will be right here with your spouse, your kids. We'll be eating because you haven't eaten for 20 hours, and we'll be praying for you. No, <laughs> I mean, that would be crude, but that's what happens. Okay, but, but the bottom line is, no, I can't go with you. But you're not alone. I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe, maybe you've lost a job, and you're thinking, God, are you for me? God is with you. You've gone through a horrible divorce. God is with you. 
You've just lost a loved one. God is with you. How many of you believe God is with us? Do you believe that, church? He is with you. And you're saying, man, pastor, you're convincing me today. Well, man, I want it, I want it to sink deep in your heart and you feel the presence of Christ even when it doesn't make any sense. He's there and he's working and he's operating. He's not abandoning you. I believe that I don't have to face anything in 2016 or the year to come in 2017 if he tarries, that he will not abandon me. He will be with me. He'll be with you. And you, you just invite him into your situation. That, that'd be a practical word this morning. Lord Jesus, I'm not doing well in this circumstance. And I don't think the Lord goes, really? I didn't know. He knows. Lord, would you come? Would you invade Emmanuel? May I rejoice in you because, Lord, if you don't come, I don't know what to do. But, Lord, if you're with me, I'll make it through that. Emmanuel, in tough times. Psalm chapter 9, write it down. Psalm 9, verses 9 through 10. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed and a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we'll realize you're completely God, that you're the source of wisdom, that you're trustworthy hope, that you're God, you're the light of salvation, you're an eternal God, but you're near, you're here. Lord, look at the application. Rejoice in his presence with you each day. That hope, you know I had to hit rejoice, 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 Emmanuel. Here it is. Rejoice in the presence of Christ. You walk out here today, what are you talking about today? Emmanuel, God's for me, God's with me, God's in me. I rejoice in his presence in every situation, whatever I'm dealing with. And I want to give you this scripture, John 14. Turn your Bibles over to John 14. Chris will come to the piano on this. John 14. Listen to the words of Jesus in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth and the world cannot accept him because it is neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you and i will not leave you as orphans i will come to you i would highlight that in your bible i'd consider memorizing it if you need it but lord you're for me you're with me i'm not alone and that's really the hope of christmas that God, the God-man, Jesus, has come. The last verse will come up on the screen. It's Isaiah chapter 9. If you want to turn over, back over to 7, flip a page, chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 6. How I love these words. Let these fill your soul. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Come. Oh, come. Oh, come, Emmanuel. Come and fill this living room. Fill every heart. Fill this place, Lord. Let us fill you. Let us sense your, your love, your forgiveness, your acceptance, and your mercy. But Lord, come. We want you. Lord Jesus, come. Don't let us ignore you. Don't let us be stubborn. 
but invade our heart this morning is ruler, is Lord, is redeemer, is forgiver, is presence, the presence of the Almighty. Emmanuel, God with us. That's God's word for this Sunday morning. If you want to go ahead and get ahead, heart the herald angels sing next weekend. Hey, bring somebody with you. We're going to be singing these great songs of the faith, and Chris will be throwing in some contemporary songs with it, and we'll sing the carols, and man, our band will do an amazing job with them. But I hope that you'll come. Let me tell you something we did. Had Kelly make these up for one of our small groups. They're doing an outreach to their whole neighborhood. They did a big cookie drive, and they've been, they're inviting people. So we have some of these at the front desk. Please take these and don't leave them in your car after Christmas and go, oh, I was supposed to pass that out. That's my Mickey voice. Okay, whatever. No. If, and we'll get more next weekend. On this side, Chris, I don't know if you've seen them. Emmanuel, that's the concert, December the 11th. And you flip it over, it gives you the seasonal events of Christ's community. I invite you to go by, like, man, I'm going I'm to give some of those at work. I'm going to go around the neighborhood and talk to some people. I'm going to invite them to our church. I believe Christmas and Easter are the two greatest times that people are willing to possibly visit our church. And I think Christmas even more than Easter because there's just something about, we probably should go, the pagans will go, let's go to church. And what are we drinking when we get through? Whoa, 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 I, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So here, I just pray that people will come get in the presence of Jesus and he would change their lives. God bless you today. Have a great afternoon.